Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and here with me is Jay Jones. Good morning. How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. All right. Yeah, you feeling better today? I am. Good. This is an actual text-driven Tuesday. It's actually Tuesday. It is. It is. Today is a Tuesday. Today is actually a Tuesday. I don't even remember. Oh, yesterday I had like different VA appointments. That's yeah. it. That's what I had. Um, so yeah, we're doing it on Tuesday. It'll be, re- it'll be released late, so people are probably wondering where it's at, and it'll be out in the afternoon, and that's why. So it's, it's what God wanted for you. He didn't want you to have anything on Tuesday morning to listen to. So <laughs> there you have it. Yep. Yep. So here we are, recording a text driven Tuesday, and we've got a special guest behind the uh, the computer this morning. It is the one and only Drake Jones. Hey guys! Oh, look, somebody said something. Hey, <laughs> that, the the uh, what do you call the person who works the thing? The podcast. What do you call it? Director. I, th- I think that's usually the producer. The but producer. Do we want to call Drake uh, the producer? <laughs> yeah, Drake's the producer to, of this episode. Yeah, and he actually said, "Hey, he'll get credit. He can put it on his resume." Yeah, yeah. He produced sure. one. Produced one podcast. One episode. Yeah. All right. All right, Drake. Don't be afraid to, to chime in. All right. Then we'll know you actually paid attention to the sermon. You got to eat that microphone if you're going to talk, though. You got be... you got you got notes. You got notes on your phone. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very nice. They take they take phone, they take notes on their phone like this. People probably look at my kids and they like like the guests. They're probably like all judgy. Like look at these kids <laughs> playing games on their phones. You know. Uh huh. And uh, nope, they uh, thumbing out notes. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's how it is. You know, soon soon with Neuralink, what they'll do is they'll just put their phone open mm. and they'll just make notes with Think their it. mind. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what's that's what's coming, right? That's what that, that's what they say. I can't imagine. Yeah, I don't know that I'll be. I don't know that I'll go with that. No, <laughs> no thanks. I'm gonna no have one, to pass on that one. Knowing what I know about uh, how they, I've seen and read enough uh, sci-fi and horror. You know how this movies works. And novels to you know how this works. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah, you don't want to become part of the Borg. And I don't blame you. Yeah. Well, shall we jump in? What do you got for me? You always have something funny for me. You don't have anything today? Uh, well, uh, as you... So the uh, the passage was on Know Your Limits. Yeah. And um, as you were talking, I was thinking of this clip from... Uh, you ever watch King of the Hill, Jay? Like the old cartoon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was thinking of this, uh, this, this clip from King of the Hill. <laughs> <laughs> all right this is, from, this is from the very first episode the very first very episode, first of, King episode. Of, the Hill. Yeah, very first episode all right and uh i thought that this would this would tie right into uh the first one. first it's a sports it's a sports it's a clip for sports okay. and uh and second it, it has to do with uh know your limits all right so you want you let's see it, it. Okay. yeah switch it over let's take a look all right this is from king of the hill it's uh adult animation from I don't know, early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Nah, don't you worry, son. You just do your best. Don't listen to her, Bobby. If you want to win, you're going to have to do better than your best. How do I do that? 
you gotta give 110%. That's what'll give you that winning edge. But what if the Wildcats give 110% too? Well, then you gotta try even harder. How about if Bobby gave 112%? Uh, sure, that'd work. Or maybe 113. Yeah, yeah, that's even better. Mm, no, I, I don't know. 13 is a very unlucky number. Look, we're not talking about 13. We're talking about 113. <laughs> and even... Okay, give 112. What's the difference? Look, Bobby, just do your best, okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's good. Uh, so that's uh, that's what I was thinking about just as you were doing best. your... <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you were doing your intro uh, uh, on Sunday, I was thinking... I just just give 110 percent just got to and yeah. if the other team gives 110 percent, you're just gonna have to give 112 yeah yeah that's right yeah you gotta know your limits yeah you gotta know them okay so you gave uh you gave a, a little um quote at yeah. the beginning of your yeah. sermon you like that quote yeah okay that's a good one kind of missed it the first time i don't you know did. what I, yeah i don't know what happened um a, a kid did something or I, i'm not sure what was going on i think yeah. someone was asking me for something and i i missed it you want to hear it again yeah yeah let's hear it again okay i, I caught All i right. caught it you you uh you didn't give like the the full quote a second time but i heard uh, uh, the, yeah, the pieces yeah, of yeah, it yeah. The pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects the wind to change, and the realist adjusts the sails. William Ward. I really like that quote. Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. What are you? What are you prone more toward? I wonder, George. Are you prone more toward pessimism or optimism? See, everybody falls into one of those two, I think. But we want to be realist. I like the quote because it kind of reminds me of what biblical wisdom is. Um, if I were to, if you had to pick between the two, I probably would lean toward pessimist. Okay, all right. That's why this is a dynamic podcast because I, George, I, I, I kind of lean toward optimism. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're the yin to my yang. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we we want to we want we don't want to do that though. Mm -hmm. We want right. to be realist, right? And that's uh, I, I love it because I love the quote because it's very practical and it reminds me of biblical wisdom. Not that this person intended for that quote to do that, but you know that's what biblical wisdom is. It teaches you how to live in a world. It's realistic about the world that you live in, mm -hmm. and you know wisdom helps you to live in the world. We live in a fallen world. In order to navigate the world, we don't just want to be pessimist or optimist, and you know we want to be a realist. Mm -hmm. And that's really what um, Ecclesiastes does, right? And what Solomon does in Ecclesiastes, mm -hmm. and so he's part of that. And being a realist is knowing your limitations, knowing your limits. Yeah. And so everybody's got limits. Um, what I found to be interesting as I started to think about this is how. An American will never let a good opportunity go to waste. You know, there is a tremendous entire industry, very profitable. Maybe we should capitalize on it, George. It's uh, trying to help people to see their limits and break through them. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like self-help. Yeah. You know, see, find your limits and break through them. Mm -hmm. now, a lot of this can be really good, I think. Very helpful, yeah. just in a general sense. Mm -hmm. I think it can be very helpful. But you can see how this would be immensely popular. 
Uh, identify your limits. You want to be a realist about you know your weaknesses, but when you identify them, you can work on them, and, and you probably can break through them. Can sell a lot of books, mm-hmm. you know. It's good, good, uh, good strategy. <clears throat> uh, but this really is the opposite. Solomon's kind of doing the opposite in this text. He's kind of thinking, okay, here's let's identify some limits and let's not try to break them mm. so that you can be happy. Right. So you uh, you kind of laid out three three different um, categories. The first was there are some limits that you can break. Yeah, and. It's and you good. Should. It's good. Yeah, it's should, good yeah. for you to break. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think God does want you to be the best version of yourself. Mm. We shouldn't be lazy people, right? Ever. Christians should never be a lazy person mm-hmm. in work or, any, or 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 just in your own self improvement, right? And in that, I don't mean you know we don't want to only just be spiritual people. Mm-hmm. We live in a real world. We want to be good leaders, you know, good servants. You know, whatever you're doing, you want to be good. So, you know, when you go in the military, some people are just really good at PT. There are others that just, they're genetically not gifted. Well, that's no excuse to be not good at PT. Like, if you're in the military, you got to be good at it. So you might have to work, you know, 10 times as hard as someone else. Well, that's what it means. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have to break through that limit. Yeah. There's some other ones that, you know, in the church that can... You can really use an ex- as an excuse to not get involved in the church. Like some people are just introverted by nature. Right? Yeah, I was I was thinking about that myself. Um, I'm I'm pretty introverted, but I was I was really introverted in high school. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I would walk from class to class with my head down. I I wouldn't even look at people. Uh. Um, I was so shy. And I remember, um, I think it was my senior year of high school, I intentionally um said i'm going to start looking people in their eyes when i talk to them okay um and so i i had to start working on that Hmm. um i mean now i i stand up in front of our congregation and and speak yeah but you never would have been out back in high school no way um no yeah that was it would have been really really difficult Mm -hmm. but Part of that is is the gifting of of the spirit, right? Um, but in in that uh, you know in the in the way God works, He also exp- you know He requires you to to do something also, right? right? Yeah. Um, and so I've I've had to work on public speaking, yeah, being more intentional in the way that I I talk to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And- Maybe, you know, someone's not a preacher, but they come, you know, they're a church member, mm-hmm. but they're really introverted. But that's a limitation, right? We're limited by that. Right. But you're to push through that beyond that mm-hmm. so that you can actually enjoy the benefits that God has for you as far as fellowship with other believers. Mm-hmm. Usually people will find that when they do, they're like, man, I'm really glad, you know, that I came and was involved in this. Right. So uh, one I thought of was, you know, fathers, a lot of... A lot of uh, Men today, at an ever increasing rate, never had a good father, and that's a huge limitation, right? You've never seen what a good husband looks like or a good father yourself, so that's a limit. You got to break through that limit. You got to be the one who pushes beyond it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole variety of these that are. Right. You can identify and break through. Yeah. But then there's there are some limitations that we can break through, but we're not we're not you supposed to. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Obvious one is sex. Right. Yeah. yeah. People break through this limit. God's, God's design, his limitation that he's put is that sex is for marriage mm-hmm. between a man and a woman. Right. One man, one woman, mm-hmm. and only within those confines. And right. that's for your happiness and joy. People break that all the time. Right. They don't, and not even after marriage, before whatever. Mm-hmm. That's one on our side. And, and look how happy society is. Right. They're so happy. <laughs> yeah, it's brought them so much joy to break this limitation all the time. Uh-huh. So obviously there are those, there are tons. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are those that you just can't break no matter what. Right. But just because they're impossible to break doesn't mean that we won't try. Mm-hmm. Uh, or fight against it. Right. He brought one up already that I had mentioned that's like living in the past. Mm. He talked about that, that from uh, wisdom doesn't ask the question, or why were the former days better than these? It's not from wisdom that you ask that, but mm-hmm. that's 710. Um, so we can see, and yet people will do it. They'll try to live live in the past. Mm. These day, The days were better, and he said that's, you know, you, you can't, the past is gone, Right, so you, I mean, you can't live in it, but yet we'll try, and it, and it doesn't make you happy. Yeah, in the in the present moment, so that's what we're dealing with in this passage. Okay, we've got a uni- <clears throat> we've got a couple universal uh, limitations that we have uh, upon us. Yeah, so so get us back into the context because um, I, I like how you tied it into last week's. It's not completely separated, even though there's a, a little bit of a different angle. So get us back into the context. So last week we were looking at wisdom applied with respect to the authority of the king, really in verses one through five. And we saw that we are to be uh, law-abiding citizens, not to be quick to show public disapproval or to be warned of the danger of against working against the king and to be discerning when opposing the king. And verse 5 kind of helps us, and verse 6, they kind of go together, they link us together into this passage. Where he says in verse 5, um, whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. So I had warned before this um, for taking standing in an evil cause, meaning against the king. Mm. So, And he's warned against uh, the danger of doing that, and to be discerning, there is a proper time and way to perhaps approach the king if you disagree with something, right? So maybe don't show public disapproval. Like if you're in court, you just he has some decree. You turn around in front of everyone and walk out. That would be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. You might could get away with it depending on how severe. You might not, though. I mean, the king has ultimate authority. It could cost you your life. could be a time to actually stand against him. Uh, um, and stand with people against the king could be a time not to. King has absolute authority. Wisdom will know the proper time and the just way to do that. Um, that links us into verse six. Uh, verse six starts to talk about there being a time. There is a time for everything, um, and there is a, a correct decision for everything. Verse 9 tells us the sphere that he's talking about still is kind of the sphere of government. <clears throat> if you look at verse 9, it says, All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when man had power over man to his hurt. So we're still talking about the, the sphere of authorities. Um, and that's a crystal clear, I think, a, a description of government. Man having power over man to his hurt. And no matter how good a human government is, someone someone is usually hurt by it. 
You can be hurt by your own government. You can be hurt by other governments. Um, there's no perfect government. Even Solomon's. There are people that were forced into labor and all kinds of things. Under And he's seen as this amazing king, you know. Uh, probably, I don't know, he's in the top five, even though he has a really bad uh, turn of events, I think. But uh, that's the kind of the sphere. But behind this sphere of the king is there is another king, I think. And I think there's things that even that I've missed in this book. I think Solomon is like a genius. You know what I mean? He's like... Um, like he's the wisest person to ever live. Well, as I said before, <laughs> every time you say he's a genius, every time you say he's a genius from the that's pulpit, what you think of? I think to myself, he's the wisest person <laughs> ever. Really. I think it's you, like thank a, you, Jay, have you seen a, like those cakes for this that have obvious. like this cakes that have like these layers in them? Uh huh. It's like Ecclesiastes is like a cake like that, but I'm not smart enough to find all the layers. But I found some of them. Yeah. Um. The, but the curious thing about him is. As we saw before, he is the wisest man in the world. He just can't apply it to himself. Mm-hmm. Now he can apply right. it to the world and to everything else in the world. Right. He just struggles in applying it to himself. And that must have been <laughs> that must have been truly frustrating for him. I mean right. that that you can you can imagine being him and you have this wisdom and yet you still find in yourself that you are a sinner. Right. Yeah. That, he, I mean that must have been really that must have made him feel really powerless. This book... It, it comes out in Ecclesiastes. It does, right? yeah. That whole confession mm-hmm. section we saw. But the layer, there's there's these layers, and we've seen them some, you know, sometimes, and I think here's, here's one. This book is written in a way where God is not like the explicit, explicit topic, mm-hmm. but he's in a way the main topic that's there you can't fully like see him all the time. It's almost like Isaiah in the throne room. He can't look up and see, but he can see the feet. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's almost how this book is written. So here in this section, it's talking about the government and now in limitations in regard to that. Know your limits if you want to be happy. Uh, behind it is a king that's behind the main king, mm-hmm. and he's there, like looming in the background. Right. Um, and so that's... That's also here, so it's kind of a multi-layered passage in that yeah. regard. Okay. So uh, to know your limits, okay. uh, if you want to be happy, if we're, that's how this section begins, mm-hmm. that wisdom will make your face shine. So if you right. want, to, if you want to live in a fallen world and have some joy and happiness, you got to be able to apply wisdom to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you're just continually hitting against that wall, that cannot move uh, you're not going to be happy yeah right. okay so um this is applying wisdom to your limitations um and it's two limits you must accept if you want to be happy mm-hmm. all right so let's have you read the passage and then we'll walk through those two right. uh, those two limits i will start in eight one so switch over to the tablet please i'll start in eight one but the section that we're talking about is six through nine who is like the wise and who knows the interpretation of a thing A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? 
Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has the power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when man had power over man to his hurt. All right. All right, there it is. <clears throat> all right, so. two limits you must accept if you want to be happy. That's right. Um, the first one uh, is found in verses six and seven. A wise person accepts the limitations of knowledge of the future. That's it. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that one would seem obvious. You're right. But. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we don't really live in that capacity. Mm. Then maybe it's something that we know, but it's something that we fight against mm-hmm. um, to our own harm. Well, this is why people like astrology and they like going to psychics and right, you know, palm readers. Right, right. Why did uh, Solomon go to the to the witch? Mm-hmm. Or I'm not Saul. I mean Saul. Why did Saul run to the witch? Mm-hmm. Uh, he couldn't hear from the Lord anymore. The Lord had left him. He wanted to know what was going to happen right. in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a crazy story, dude. I reread it, it this is. week. Yeah. It's such a wild story. Mm-hmm. After he expels all of the witches out of the land, mm-hmm. he then runs to find one because right. he's desperate to know the future. Uh-huh. And apparently there is there are people on the earth that are like mediums that can, can, can like tap into the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. try to gain secret knowledge. Crazy stuff. Yeah. And he tries. Mm-hmm. I've got a friend who's writing his uh, his PhD on magic mm-hmm. in the Bible, okay. and so he's done a lot of he's been doing a lot of research, and he'll uh-huh. he'll send me stuff every once in a while. Okay, and he's he's looked at that story. It's it's bizarre. People don't think magic is real. You know that they think it's this is some yeah. relic of an old time. Mm-hmm. But I. I th- I think it's real. Yeah, yeah, I do. Too. I think the Egyptians, uh, magicians were doing real magic. Yeah, they're drawing upon us the spiritual realm, uh, demonic power, mm. and, and to do things. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I don't think that God is telling the Israelites don't go to mediums and and uh, you know diviners and uh-huh. because well they're just fake. Right. I think He's warning them don't go to them because they're real. Right. There's the girl in Acts who has the spirit of Python. A Pythian. A Python? Well, that's what it translates to in English, but the the Pythian spirit. Mm. Yeah. That's the spirit, um, supposedly that was, uh, what's the oracle, the famous oracle of Delphi? Oracle of Delphi, Mm -hmm. same same type type of uh, entity involved. Yeah. So, some, a spirit that seizes you. Mm. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Like a python. I, I Constricting I, your spirit. I got you. <laughs> Squeezing yeah. the life out of you. Okay. There you go. All right. So we are uh, we are obsessed with wanting to know the future, but it is a limitation. Yeah. I mean, we Christians may not go to mediums and go to palm readers and stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, they may sit there and think about the future what's going to happen, what could happen, what might not happen, mm-hmm. what do I need to do to make this happen, 
and right. you know chew and your you, nails off your fingers right and you told you told the story of you uh trying to decide about seminary and right yeah yeah i had it all planned out mm-hmm. i had it planned out um exactly what needed to happen you know i had to leave the army i had to resign my commission as an officer, that takes a year to get you know that whole process to, to be done. So I'm coming up on the end of that. It's time to leave. I'm not going to have a job anymore. And it it looked really good. The plan looked good. I'd sell the house, make probably about fifty thousand off of that sell. So I had to sell with the nineteen seventy GTO that I had. Probably make about twenty grand off of that sell. Because that, that, that was a you know it's a rare muscle car, and um, everything's looking good. We moved to Fort Worth. We'd go to Southwestern, wouldn't be that far away from, you know, Lawton. Uh, be able to come back, see the parents, all that stuff, easy. Uh, and you could get a job. I mean, who can't get a job in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, George? Who can't get a job? Right? So we go down there because Angie's Angie will get a job while I'm in seminary. Mm-hmm. She, didn't, she didn't have one while I was in the Army. And um, I'm like, oh, this will be sweet because we'll, you know, we'll pocket some money. That's a lot of money. You can You could live off, you know, maybe a year and a half, two years off of that while you're at seminary mm-hmm. and uh we go we're looking for apartments first thing we say like man these apartments are ridiculously expensive down here mm. and then the lady tells angie and angie has like a good good resume she's like you ain't gonna find a job down here we're like what are you talking about she's <laughs> like people put in resumes down here everywhere and they they don't hear back from people for like a year mm. If they hear back, like there's no jobs. Yeah. There's no jobs. And the housing bubble happened. It hit all at the same time. Um I had I had all of these plans laid out for like a year. This, 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 backwards planning. And then I'll be there doing this, this, and then none of it and like it was all falling apart. So we just sit down and say, All right, well, she Angie has this idea, well, maybe I can get a job in Kansas City. Like, yeah, man. And she's like, Would you go to what about Midwestern? I'm like, I had said before, and I'm not joking. We're driving. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I, I believe you. <laughs> we were driving through Kansas City once. She's like, what About that school. Mm-hmm. I said, Hell will freeze over. <laughs> God, God really made, I rem- God I rem- made me eat my words. I said, Hell will freeze over before I go to Midwestern. I, I remember when I was looking at seminaries because I looked at Southwestern also uh-huh. because it's, it's the closest one. Yeah. And uh, then I decided maybe not, and I started looking around, and I looked at Midwestern. And I was like, "Nah, no, no thanks." Yeah, I was, that's, that's exactly yeah. what I said, George. Hell yeah. will freeze over before I go to Midwestern. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it froze over. I guess so. So she's like, "Oh man, I can get a job, in Kansas City. I got a friend up here. So her best friend was working up there, at an advertising agency." She's like there, so we're like, well, what, what do we have to do? Like, maybe we just have to lower the price on our health, our house, and just because I mean, nobody. You remember when that happened? There were zero houses selling. Mm. Like it was, we're in a recession. Nobody's buying buying muscle cars. Mm. In fact, one guy that I tried what to sell was it, that I tried to sell it to a collector. He said nobody's buying. Nobody is spending their money right now on things like this. Mm. That's what he told me. Two thousand ten was that? Two thousand ten, two thousand nine. Into 2009, beginning of 2010, somewhere right in there, 2010. So we're like, all right, we'll just lower the house down as much as we can, and we'll sell the car for. I don't want. I don't want to tell you what I sold it for. God, it, it hurts me. Mm. So we're in Kansas City. We go visit Midwestern. I mean, I'm not like 
super thrilled about it. But he's like, what do you think? Would you, would you go here? Uh, and so I was like, you know, I just surrender. I'm like, all right. If God wants me to go to Midwestern, then then I'll I'll go here. This mm-hmm. is where I'll go. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not joking. Like five minutes later, her phone rings and she has a job offer. While we're up there, the job offer at that place. We get back on Monday, seven thirty in the morning. A guy calls me from Houston, and he's like, "Hey, you still got that car? Don't sell it. I'm driving up." <laughs> and I'm like trying to play it cool, like. Well, I mean, I don't know if it'll be here when you get here, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah. uh, I guess you know if I if I tell you I'll hold it, you promise you're coming. I'm coming. I'm driving right now. So he drove up, put a, ma- a little refrigerator magnet all around it, make sure it wasn't like all bondoed up and stuff. Mm. And he paid for it without driving it. Mm. I was like, "You want me to start it so you can hear it?" He was like, "No. <laughs> Here's the money." He all brought right. it. He brought. I drove it up on his trailer, and yeah, mm. he took off with it, and then. Later that afternoon, a realtor called, so got a buyer on your house. So, all happened. Yeah. Wasn't anything like I had planned. And I was pretty worried about it for a while. Because I was about to be without a job with <laughs> right. a house I couldn't pay for. Mm-hmm. And no yeah. idea how I'm going to go do anything. Right. And none of the stuff I had planned for happened. Yeah. Zero, zero. And I think that... Uh, I think that one of the things that we want to make clear that we we don't want people to hear is, well, don't plan. Right. Because you don't know if your plans are going to ever, you know, come to fruition. Mm -hmm. You still plan. You still plan, even though you accept the limitations of, uh, of your ignorance of the future. Right. You still... Yeah, you, you have still, to. You still, you still have to plan for the future, and there's plenty <clears throat> of scripture from Solomon um, dealing with that. But yeah. the but the point is, don't um, don't act like you're in control of the future. Right. Yeah. It, it's a to surrender to this first limitation is really could really change some people's entire life. I think. You know, in verse in verse six, um, there are two two huge themes that recur in the Bible over and over. One is God's absolute sovereignty over everything. God has determined everything that takes place. There is a time and a way for everything. Um, so that's the first thing that we need to understand if we're going to accept this limitation. God has appointed a time. We, chapter 3, we elaborated on this mm. in great detail. Right. A time to be born, time to die, time to mourn, a time to laugh all of those, and, and that is a way, a poetic way of telling you every single event that ever happens in your life, every situation has been determined by God. Mm. Um, you just think about it. Just take a practical, make a practical exercise. Who determined when you would be born and where at, like where on the planet you would be born right. and who your parents would be and what your genetics would be? Well, God determined that. Mm-hmm. And... and the time of your birth and the time of your death and everything in between. Somehow we we are like, okay, well, God determined my birth and maybe I'll agree with, you know, maybe I'll agree my death, that we fight against that too. But all the things in between, those are up to me. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Right. Um, everything uh, that happens, every single event, there is a time, all times, appointed by God. Um, it's a... Uh, some people say this is a high view of the sovereignty of God. I just say this is just the biblical view of the sovereignty mm-hmm. of God. That doesn't ne- negate 
human activity and human responsibility and human choice, as the very next couple of words tell us, the word, and there is a way for everything. So there's an appointed time and a way for everything. Well, the term, this word way is, is strange. It's, it's mishpat. You know what that means from studying your Hebrew vocabulary. How, what does it mean? Like 99% of the time it's translated. It's judgment, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, that's right. So um, it's translated here as way because there is nuance in the word. Right. Um, he's not saying, hey, make a judgment like as far as like you're a judge. What he's saying is you, you have make a judgment as what's the right decision? What is the right decision to be made at this moment in my life? And there is a right decision, and there is, and you have the ability to make a decision. You might make a right decision, in which in which case things would go well for you, and your life would prosper, or you may make a bad decision, and things would go bad for you. Right. Um, and that's real. That's not an illusion. Mm-hmm. And the mysterious thing is that every single choice that you do make, and it's a real-life choice, and the consequences that follow... Though you made the choice that led to it, even all of those things were determined by God as well. Mm. So, and it fits perfectly in with this discussion of you know living in your, under authority and government. Because when should you oppose the king? When should you go to him in private and question some decree he's issued? Well, there is an appropriate time, and it might go really well for you. Maybe you would be rewarded for your wisdom. Or maybe it won't. Maybe it'll go really bad for you, and yeah. you're thrown out of the king's court, right? You know, mm-hmm. or worse. So wisdom means that you would uh, make make the correct decision, mm. and that's really what troubles us, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's what that's how what leads into verse seven. Yeah, the great trouble that lies heavy upon all of us is that we want to be able to know what the right decision is. Um, and we can't know it because we can't know the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, I think that's there, it's pretty clear. Um, the latter part of verse six, there, for there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. Four tells us what the trouble is. Four, he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? Mm-hmm. So, Anyone can identify with this, okay? Right. You have some situation laid before you. It's a real-life dis- decision that can have, maybe it can really help your family. Maybe it's, do, do I take a different job? Do I resign this job and take this other job? I don't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, there's a correct one to make that's going to be best for you. There's one that's not good. Um, and so then you start to worry oh, man, if I only knew what would happen in the future, and if I could only see this or that, mm-hmm. and so you're troubled. And that's in a whole, that can be in big decisions and small ones. Right. So the first, this that's the first limitation. Um, fight against it, and it will just increase tr- the, the sorrow and the trouble of your heart. Um, accept it and understand that God God is good and does care for you, and you'll have less trouble. That's kind of the argument. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one thing that that I brought out was ninety nine. You've heard the saying: ninety nine percent of the things you worry about don't happen. I don't know where that came from, but it is true. It's true. 
99% of things you worry about don't happen. The 1% that do happen, you couldn't have changed anyway. Right. So why worry about all this stuff? It, and just think about that. what happened pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Can you think back to your life? I think it was the end of 2019, <clears throat> mm-hmm. right? To the end of 2019. Yeah. I said, you know, we were... Whoa. I don't know what that was. That's weird. <laughs> That's the government. I said the magic word. You did. <laughs> You said, I said COVID. You said COVID. The and, CIA has yeah, one, like they've, a... They've tapped into us. They've got their satellite that causes strokes. Uh-huh. It's laser pointed at me right now. So watch out. Okay? <laughs> yeah. 99% of things you worry about don't happen. Think about it. COVID 2019. Right. Not even on our radar. Mm-hmm. Freshman year. You know, you remember that, Drake? It was... The end of your freshman year, it's the furthest cash football had gone in like 25 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. He's getting to play as a freshman on varsity, only kid. Yeah. Such great times. Even greater times, George, because when football season ends, that means baseball, baseball season's season. about to start. You know, life is great. So all of the things I worried about in 2019, but you know, I'm thinking about in the future. Zero mm-hmm. percent of them actually happened. Right. And five yeah. and things that were five million times worse happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, COVID hit. I don't even. And no one was even, that wasn't on anyone's radar. Yeah. No one had any idea how their lives would be altered by mm-hmm. that. Completely yeah. changed, completely altered. Yeah. Almost everyone that I know now knows some, someone in their family was affected and actually probably died of COVID. Mm. That wasn't on anybody's radar yeah. back then. Right. Um, so just think about it. Mm-hmm. What is the, What are the things you're worrying about right now? You wish that you knew the future so you could know how to plan for them. None of them are probably going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> None of them. You know? <sighs> yeah. Isn't that weird to think about? You know, this was the, uh, this was the premise of Minority Report. You remember that movie, Jay? You remember Minority Report is with that, Tom Cruise? Is that where they preemptively uh, arrest you for crimes? Yeah, yeah, they've yeah. got they've got like the uh, the psychics or whatever plugged plugged <laughs> yeah, up, right. and yeah. and they can predict when someone is going to do a crime, and they go and arrest the person before mm-hmm. they commit it. Yeah. Yep. So, even if we had the ability to do that, how do we know that by stopping one thing that something a hundred times worse? George, is it, is it you, going to happen? Getting into that time it's travel bus, paradox. The bus, the butterfly effect, right? Yeah, the butterfly effect. Yeah. You remember in The Matrix. But there is someone who knows that. That's, who knows? Well, that's right. Yeah. You, you remember The Matrix? They go mm-hmm. to the to the Oracle. That's right. And uh, she says, don't mind the vase. He turns around. What oh, vase? Yeah. And he turns around knocks, knocks it, it over. over. And he's like, how did you know? And she's like, well, what's really going to get <laughs> you is, is when you uh, wonder, would you have, would you have broken it if I hadn't said anything? Right. right. Yeah. Like we <laughs> the limits, the limits to uh, we we think of we think of um, time in this really linear way, and I keep having these movie references. Um, Endgame. Mm-hmm. Remember Endgame? Yeah. When Hulk is talking to um, what? What's her name? The, um, sorcer- the sorcerer. The ancient one. Yeah, the ancient one, and she. You know, you take the you take the the stone out of this time, and you create a branch. Right. Yeah. 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 There's a billion branching realities. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know, and so it comes down to this: is 
the struggle we struggle against it for this reason is that we don't trust God. I think we don't trust God with our future. Mm. Um, maybe we don't believe Him when He says for the for the for the believer for the Christian, all things work together for good for those that are that love God and are called according to His purpose. Right. Even the things that are in the future we can't see that might be uncomfortable or, you know, cause us pain and suffering. Mm. Um, so we worry about all that stuff because we're trying to prevent it all from happening. <laughs> right. And uh, we can't. Um, now, so the, then, then comes this how does question. This, how does this keep us from becoming fatalist? Uh, well... Because he said there's a correct decision to be made. Yeah. I think that's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's true, that part is true, doesn't mean that this other part's not true, that you need to be a wise person, and you need to learn how to apply wisdom to every situation, mm-hmm. because there is a correct way. Mm-hmm. There's a correct way for everything. Yeah. And you need to be wise yeah. and do it. So, so um, you know, decades ago... Um, you know, when, when there were announcements in like the paper, uh-huh. um, you know, there's going to be a, a wedding or something this time, this, this date, this place at the end, they'd have a DV that, that DV was Deo Valente, mm-hmm. Lord willing, God willing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, now this was, you know. Decades, yeah, Lord willing, <laughs> decades, yeah. decades ago. Um, if you if you ever read, you know something old, and they've right. got you see that little DV. It's this idea. Here's the plan. If the Lord if wills, God, if God wills, then if we'll God wills, it. then then this will this will happen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we do have to make decisions, mm-hmm. and we can't just say, "Oh, like you said, we're we're a fatalist." And we're just floating down the lazy river of life, mm-hmm. you know, on our inner tube, and whatever happens happens, and you know, I, you know, I'll bounce on my inner tube off to this side of the lazy river and back to the other. Yeah, um, we can't live like that. Mm. We have real decisions to make, and so how do we make them? Now, I didn't extract this from the text. I just <clears throat> said this is just some practical. Would you like to see how someone? Someone other than us believes that we uh, make decisions, Jay? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's hear it. Let's see it. Okay. Who is it? Who are you showing? Uh, this is uh, our friend, Leighton Flowers. Leighton Flowers down in Texas. Mm-hmm. We've, uh, we've shown some, some Leighton Flowers clips before. Yeah. This one's a, this one's a pretty good one. Yeah, Soterology 101. Yeah. All right, here we go. Calvinism says men choose according to their greatest desire. The desire, in other words, makes the determination on Calvinism. We simply disagree. We say people make determinations. In the same mysterious way God chose to create ex nihilo, he created something from nothing. We can't explain exactly how he does that. Nobody can explain how God creates something from nothing. But so too, we are given by God the ability to create our own choices. God is creative, and we are made in his image as creative beings. And therefore, we're given a level of creative ability. 
the ability to make choices. So the mystery of libertarian freedom is similar to the mystery of creation itself. God created something from nothing. In a similar way, he has given us the ability to create something from nothing, namely our desires and our choices. Mm, there you go. So there's, uh, there's light and flowers. Yeah. <clears throat> Jay, did you know that? Did you know that we have the ability, like God, to create ex nihilo? Um, no, because I don't believe in <laughs> fantasies. I don't believe in fantasies. Did you so how do we how do we make decisions? How do we make decisions? Well, we just create them out of nothing. Yeah, just right. create them out of nothing. Just create them out of nothing. Mm -hmm. First off, like uh, in the in the in the Bible where it talks about God's creation, there's this particular word for create, creating ex nihilo that is only applies to God. I don't think it ever is used of man creating anything. I have to look. Let to look that up. I think there's two different words. There's whenever man creates and uh, he's using things that are there. It's mm. always two different words. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But a lot of inaccuracies <laughs> in that statement. This isn't a Calvinist believe this. We believe this thing. This is almost every person who's ever thought about humans making choices believes this thing. Mm -hmm. And there's this incredibly small minority. Who believe like Leighton Flowers? <laughs> I hope that it's a very, very small minority. It's very small. Even I'm, and I'm talking even non-Christian oh, yeah. philosophers mm -hmm. who think about, right? Uh, who study, you know, epistemology and all of these things. Mm -hmm. He acts like no one's ever written about this stuff before. The right. way he talks about, oh it, yeah, that it popped into being from nowhere, mm -hmm. like his. You know, ability to choose. Why? This, this is easy. To why refute, did you? Though. Why did you get out of bed this morning, Jay? I don't. Just because. Just, just because, because. Uh, I decided ex nihilo to uh, <laughs> to wake up uh -huh. and to come. Did you eat anything? I had. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I had a little breakfast. Little breakfast burrito. Why? Why did you eat that? Well, I saw it and I thought to myself, I have zero taste for that. Mm -hmm. None at all. Yeah. I don't actually even want to eat it, but you know I've got to have nutrition in my body, mm. so I'll just create a choice and a desire for it. Yeah, that's how that's how he describes things, right? Yeah. Given given his um, his view of libertarian free will, uh -huh. which is man is free to choose whatever he whatever he wants, right? It would reduce us to rocks. Yeah, <laughs> because without some kind of motivation behind our decisions, we wouldn't do anything. Right? Why? Why would I even get out of this chair? This is not. A, this is not a hard thing to understand. The reason. The reason it's pushed back against, and we're are de deviating into another thing a little bit, but that's okay. You're always going to make the choice that you most desire to make. Mm -hmm. That's how your will works. You you do make choices. They're real choices. The Calvinist is not saying you don't make real choices. Right. Saying you make meaningful choices. They're based on what you most want to do. Now you can be your your desires can be coerced. Yeah. So a guy could stand in front of you with a gun and say your wallet or your life. Right. So and you you don't want to do either one of those. Right. You, you don't want to, but, but you, you want you to live. Yeah. You choose the one that you you want the most, right? Yeah, you you want to live more than you want to die. Mm -hmm. Now, you can also 
people would say, well, that, you know, you, you always are going to choose uh, what's going to be best for you. It's not always the case. You, you may actually would desire to uh, save someone at the cost of your own life, mm-hmm. right? So there's a child in a right. in a fire in a house, and mm-hmm. people do this all the time. They'll run into a burning house to save some children. Well, why would they do that? Well, because what did they want most at the time? They wanted the child to live more than they cared if they lived or not. Mm-hmm. That's what they wanted. They wanted the child to live. Yeah. So they were willing to die to save the child. Right. Um, this isn't this isn't hard to understand. Right. The reason they don't like it is because the, what the Bible says about the human will is that it's so corrupted by sin that um, our will is bound by it in such a way that we never choose the things of God. Mm-hmm. They want mankind to have the kind of free will that even God doesn't have. Like God God is not free to do just right. whatever because God cannot lie. Yes. Right? God God cannot even choose to lie. <laughs> right. He's he's he is bound by his nature. Exactly. His nature is truth. Uh-huh. So he'll he'll never even have the desire to lie. So he's not free in that in this this weird, unbiblical, just irrational right. type of, right. of freedom. Yeah. Uh, and people say, well, that God can be bound and something's greater than God. No. God is bound by his own nature. Right. So that's the difference. Mm-hmm. If there was something external external to God binding him... Yeah, if he was following some outside law that said, don't oh. lie, then that if, would be different. Yeah. If he was bound by a choice, mm-hmm. say, George, of the Molinist persuasion, <laughs> even if that is of a billion possible universes, mm-hmm. uh, well, who dealt God the cards of these are the ones right. you must choose from? Uh-huh. Right. Something outside of himself. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the critiques. Yeah. Um, but God's only bound by himself, mm-hmm. by his own will, which is perfect. So in a way, he's really unbound. Right. By I mean, he's perfect. Yeah. How can you improve upon perfection? Mm-hmm. Right. It can't be done. But we are also bound by our nature, and the problem is, is our nature has fallen in sin. Mm. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means we can't do an ex nihilo. I hear the gospel ex nihilo, then I go, oh, you know what? That sounds great. I think I'll have some of that, please. <laughs> if that were the case, then Ephesians chapter 2 doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It means nothing. Mm-hmm. Then you have something to actually boast about because you created ex nihilo a choice, and you chose God, and your neighbor didn't choose God, and that's the difference between you two. Mm-hmm. Now you get to boast, and he doesn't. Right. Uh, what's eliminated by all of that is that there's no amount of anything in you that's going to choose God. God must change your will. He must free you from the bondage of sin. Mm-hmm. He must re- he must perform a rescue operation upon you, yeah. and break through the hardness of your heart replace your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. And this is going to come as a shocker, George, to people. The one who is a Calvinist, who actually is a real Calvinist, believes that a Christian or Calvinist Christian does make a choice mm-hmm. at conversion. Right. There's a real choice. But what happens is when God frees your will from, the, from being bound by sin, gives you a new heart, then you see Christ for who he is. And who is he? Who is God? the most desirable being in the universe. Yeah, It's like somebody just revealed to you that um, 
you are able to take for yourself um, the inheritance left by Elon Musk when he died. Like, Elon Musk died, and he left all of his billions to George Mays. And then it's like the blinders got removed, and they're like, there it is, it's yours, take it. Mm-hmm. You know, you would, you'd be insane to not take it. No strings attached, it's just yours. Mm-hmm. Go seize it. Yeah. And this is why Jesus gives these parables about the treasure hidden in the field, right? Well, to the rest of the world, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. But to the person who sees Christ for who he is, they'd sell everything they had in their entire life in order to, to buy that field so that the treasure in that field could be theirs. Yeah. They'd do anything, and that's what happens to the sinner. Sins, I have to let go of these sins to, ta- to have Christ for myself? That's a no-brainer. Throw these sins off. Like, take the rucksack off. Everything's binding me down. I've got to have that which is most desirable now. And you make the choice to follow Christ. That's, that's faith. Yeah. Um, you cling to Christ by faith, and it's a real human choice and done by a will that's been set free. Um, you, can't, you can't choose. You would never do anything. Mm. So how do we choose? All right. How do we make decisions? Let's get this, bring it back in here. Okay. If we're not floating down the lazy, the lazy river of God's providence, just trusting Him, um, we have to make decisions. How do we do it? Mm-hmm. And I just right. have a very simple grid. Okay. Let's, let's hear it. There's only one question to ask to start, so there, there may be a couple others that follow, but the main one is, can I glorify God in this or not? That's it. That's the, only, that's the first question. If the answer is no, then you don't do that thing. That's the only one. Can I glorify God if I do this? So the first, so put maybe put some angles on this, maybe yeah. ask it in different ways so that people really grab it. Is this a sin? Yeah. Obviously, you can't glorify God by your sinning. Yeah. So you don't do that. So if this choice would include me sinning, then no. Then no. That's, the not, that's not the way. That's not the way to go. Right. Right. Yeah. So then you have maybe other choices that aren't going to be sinful either way, mm-hmm. and then you still ask the question: Can I glorify God in this or not? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, perhaps you have two jobs. One job says you are forbidden for being a Christian in this workplace. <laughs> All right. The other job says. Hey, you uh, You want to be a Christian at this place? Then go right ahead. We have freedom of expression here. No-brainer to me. Mm-hmm. You're right? You're right. going to take that one. Uh-huh. Um, but, but what about if both of them? And this would maybe apply to if you're looking for a job. Yeah. Um, this one requires you to work on Sundays. Mm-hmm. This one does not. Yeah. Um, well, wisdom would say choose the one that allows you to worship with the church on on the Lord's day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But there are some that are required mm-hmm. um, that may be required to work on Sunday, such as emergency services type uh-huh. jobs, police, doctors, mm-hmm. firemen. Yeah. So the question also then becomes, do we need Christians in those workplaces? Mm-hmm. Can I glorify God by being a Christian in this workplace? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's a variety of choices. Right. Um, and you may have more than one that you can do. So the next one would be, what helps me to take care of my family best? Mm-hmm. Well, for me anyway. Like the, uh, this, These are just practical right. things I'm working out. Mm-hmm. How can I take care of my wife and my family best if I have more than one option available? That's the next one. So that's the one I go with, mm-hmm. right? That's just common sense. Yeah. Uh, pretty simple, right? Yeah. 
that's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, I think a, a lot of people in this, Kevin DeYoung has written a book on this. R.C. Sproul's written a book on this. Um, there's another one. Bruce Waltke. I don't know if you know him. Old Testament. I didn't even theology. know about these books. Uh, Kevin DeYoung's got one called Just Do Something. Huh. Um, R.C. Sproul's is maybe called What is the Will of God? Like People want to know, what is the will of God for my life? Right. And most of the time when they say that, it's who does God want me to marry? What job right. does he want me to have? Where does he want me to go to school? And those are not things that are revealed to us. Right. Um, but when the Bible talks about what is the will of God, it says things like, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you avoid sexual immorality. Well, here's the will of God for your life. Right. Well, that's not what people usually want to want to, right. want to know. Yeah. But that's, that's what God has revealed to us. Uh-huh. God has revealed his will to us in the Bible. Um, And it doesn't really have to do with um, go to this school, meet this girl, um, get married, have kids, have this job. That's not, that's not it. It's not there. Um, The the will of God has been revealed and how we're supposed to live Mm -hmm. um, and how we're supposed to make decisions. So God has given us wisdom in in the scriptures. Um, I've been reading through Proverbs Mm -hmm. and it just covers a massive area. It really does. I mean, it just covers every single um, area of your life. Um, study it. Yeah. <laughs> read, read Proverbs. When you have to make a decision, think, what has God what has God told me how to live? Yeah. What, what has his word revealed to me? Yeah. And then, um, Having having answered these questions, does this involve sinning? Is it, will it glorify God? Is it is it wise? Then trust God and make a decision. Yeah, yeah. I wrote up the one about you know maybe you have more than one person you can marry. Mm-hmm. That's a real one. I mean, yeah. for some, um, say there's two people that you could marry, like two two men. Maybe you've dated you dated both of them. Your parents like both of them. They make good husbands. They're Christians. You glorify God. Uh, how do you choose then? You know what I mean. And you just go with the one you, that you like the most. Mm. That's not. That's not like selfish, right? Like, who do you like the most? Yeah. Pick that one. Mm-hmm. That's how Angie got me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh. It's it's like the uh, the uh, the way that John Piper answered the question. How do I know that I married? The, the right person you're married to him uh what's look at the names on the <laughs> on the marriage license right <laughs> that's that's the that's the person right, right. you're married yeah <laughs> you're married to him yeah so. uh, but uh, we we can make we can make wise decisions based upon what god has revealed in his word um when you're when you are looking for someone to marry um the first thing you should ask is are they mature christians right right if they're not if they're not a believer, then that's immediately off the table. Yeah, right? that that would that would violate explicit commands in the scriptures. Yeah, right. Yeah, Drake, you you're still over there, Drake. Yes. Grab that microphone. How'd you make a choice to go to college? You had a couple. You had a variety of options to go to school, and you probably would have got a lot more had you w- uh, waited to uh, make the announcement. Take your remove yourself from the the whole recruiting pool how'd you uh, make a decision to go there um so at first i started i messaged coach cox and he replied to me 
a lot of coaches hadn't, but he had replied to me. And I did some research, and I found out that he was a coach um, at Garden City, and he had just come from a D2 school, I think, if I remember correctly. But he he's a catcher, and they're not there's not a ton of coaches that are catchers, especially not ones that had offered me. None of them had played catcher, as far as I know, except for one. And Coach Cox was a good Christian man in stature. Um, he from what you could see, yeah, yeah. he he had a good um, system running. He's very almost like militaristic with his planning. It reminded me of you a lot. Very organized, down to almost like the minutes. He's very precise with his words. So I just trusted that, you know, God had given me a coach in my life who reminded me, you know, somewhat of my dad. He's a good man, good with planning things, a good role model in my life, um, who also coached the position that I need to get to the next level and keep playing. Yeah. And that would allow me to glorify God on a higher level. Yeah. So you you had another guy. You had another uh, team though that has is known for getting people uh, to big like big time D one schools. They had offered you a full scholarship. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to you know like kind of the things we're talking about. But at the end of the day, you pull the trigger. Um, because some of those you know you probably could you could have glorified God at either place, right? Yeah. But it comes down to what in the end you liked him better, right? Uh huh. Yeah, it sometimes it just comes down to that, you know. For whatever reason, like you like this job, this choice that seems it's in front of you, and I mean, the, we don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. He may go there to that school, and who knows? But, yeah, oh, we can't play this game though. Well, man, if I'd only gone to that school, then mm-hmm. these amazing things would have happened. If I'd have gone to that one, then oh, like. How can you live like that? You can't live like that. Do you live like that, Drake? Nope. No, you don't live like that. Would you? You just live for your next protein shake, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Get me to the gym. Get me the protein. Mm. Um, you can't. But people do. Then that's the whole point here. This point. We don't say out loud. Christians don't. I wish that I was could control and knew the future. Mm-hmm. But when you worry about the future like that all the time, you really are. Right. And people do it more than they would admit. Mm-hmm. They worry about everything. Oh, is this person going to get sick? Mm-hmm. You know, if they get sick, then they're going to die. Then, you know, what what will happen to their children? And will I need to take care of their children then? And what does that mean? You know, people do that stuff. Right. So. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we are an hour in already, Jay. <laughs> Oh goodness gracious! And yeah, I still have yeah, this massive headache. Is yeah. it is it because the the satellite? Maybe that they've got beamed down on me. Yeah, could be. Uh, all right. So the second one. Yeah, the second, second one. Limitation. Uh, a wise person accepts the limitations of power in the present. Is yeah. that is that how you worded it? Yeah, a limitation of the power of the present. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I think he knows. He knows. What is what is human nature? Okay, so that we might say, well, I don't know the future, but one thing I do know is I can control everything right now. I have total control and power over the present moment, and if I can control everything right now, 
well, then in a way I can affect the future, right? Yeah. So he hits that off and cuts that kind of presumptive way of looking at the world out by giving uh, four things that you are powerless over right now. And he does it in a way where he'll give one that's an obvious, followed by a not-so-obvious, one that people really fight against, right? So ABAB is kind of the way that I see it unfolding in the passage. Okay. So the first is that you're powerless over the wind. The ESV says uh, the spirit. You're Mm -hmm. not able to retain the spirit. Right. Um, And the NASB puts wind, and the Holman puts wind, and people might wonder, well, what is that? Well, the word... Rua. It's both. It can mean both. Mm -hmm. Um, The way the ESV takes it really is taking it as it's really kind of linked together. They have almost like an AA mm-hmm. and then an AB, which mm. doesn't make sense to me. But that's kind of how they have it here in the, in the text. No one has the power to retain the spirit or power of the day of death. Like it's synonymous. They're mm. saying the same thing. NASB takes it as wind. And if you take it as wind, what you end up with is an AB and then an AB. And I think that fits better. Mm. And he's, he's argued like this before. He'll lay something out for you that's so obvious no one will argue with, and then he'll hit you with that which people will argue against. Right. He's done that already. So I chose to go with the Holman and the NSB in this interpretation, meaning that you can't control the wind. You think, you, you think you're think you powerful and aren't limited in the present moment? Well, just observe the wind. Mm. Can, you retain, can you restrain it? Yeah. Can you stop it? Mm-hmm. No, you can't. So... That's the one that I went with. Okay. Hopefully people kind of understood that. But if it's not, um, it's possible it's a double entendre. That there's he's meaning both. Yeah, some wordplay. There's some wordplay going on. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it's it's true either way. I mean, we're we're powerless over the wind. Can't make mm-hmm. it blow. Can't make it stop blowing. Sometimes can't, can't catch it. My bedroom is on the north wall of my house. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we get those really, really big uh, wintry type storms, uh-huh. it sounds like my house is going to follow me. Yeah. Or that the window is going to blow out and glass shards are going to fly through my bedroom. Mm-hmm. You ever you ever get that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's people that don't live here just don't understand it. They just don't get it. Yeah, when we're talking about the wind, the wind comes sweeping down the plane. We're not, <laughs> not we're not lying. Not a joke. Not a joke. <laughs> yeah, you. So you can't. We can harness the wind. You know, we make power from it. Parker makes power from mm-hmm. the wind. Yeah. Um. You can't stop it. You yeah. can't control it. Mm-hmm. And that that just reminds you that you're limit. You're limited. Right. You're not God. Mm-hmm. All right, but there's the second. There's a, a second way in which we're powerless and people try to fight against this one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are uh, there. Uh, the, no man has power to retain the, the wind or power over the day of death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People will worry and work their whole life to try to extend their life by however long, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, you can't. Not even by an hour. Right. I, I reread this. You ever wonder, like, how come I don't pay that much attention to things that I read? Luke 12, 25 through 26. 
Jesus is talking about worrying anxiety. Mm -hmm. Which of you being anxious can add a single hour to your lifespan? Mm -hmm. An hour is not not that long. Right. He said, if you're then able to to not able to do such a small thing, why are you anxious about the rest? Mm -hmm. He he says, you know, that's a small thing. Extend your life by an hour. Yeah, but he also says you're not able to do it. Mm -hmm. How can it be a small thing and a, something you can't do? <laughs> impossible to do. Yeah. Uh, it's a small thing for him. He could do it. Mm. It's impossible for us. One hour. Just think about it, George. Yeah. You can't extend your life by an hour. It would become like the vase thing. <laughs> right. I'm going to extend my life by an hour. So I'm running around, running around, running around. And that be the thing that leads to your death. <laughs> yeah. And it happens exactly when it was supposed to. Yeah. So... What are you worried about? Why are you worried about the rest? Mm. That's literally what he says. If you can't extend your life by an hour, what are you worried about all the rest of this for? Mm -hmm. We don't live like that. Right. We just worry about the day of death. Yeah. The older you get anyway, Drake probably never thinks about it. Yeah. I didn't never, I never thought about it when I was Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. No. Yeah. I think about it a, a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Probably the old, and the older you get, the more you will. Which, again, that, that doesn't mean that you just eat junk food all the time because, well, I'm going to die when I'm going to die. Yeah, then, then, it, then you'll become the, uh, that'll become the means by which you secure right. the hour of your death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The means and the ends. Yeah. Yeah. So embrace it. You just embrace it. Mm -hmm. and George, George Whitfield, I've quoted him many a times. He said, we're immortal. Mm. We don't think about our uh, us that, ourselves that way. Yeah, there's a time for my death, and I'm immortal until it comes. Right now, you can understand why he would want to adopt that when you realize the passage back and forth across the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's dangerous. We just watched Master and Commander last night. You ever have you ever watched that? Mm -mm. Man, that was a different time. Men yeah. were built. Men were built different back then. Yeah, you should watch that. It's a little slower. It's kind of an older way of making movies, you know, but you'll see the sea voyages, no joke. Yeah. 13 times George Whitfield went back back and forth across the ocean mm -hmm. preaching the gospel. That's you a lot. You might want to adopt that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that belief yeah. that I'm immortal mm -hmm. until the time of my death. That's, uh, that's like George C. Payton. You know, he wanted to go to, uh, I can't remember what tribe it was. Um, as a missionary, and the the he was told you'll be eaten, you'll be eaten by cannibals. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And he said, "Well, uh, I may be eaten by cannibals, but you'll be eaten by worms." Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're both going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. You know, that's a good quote. So yeah, no sense in. There's no sense in um, being anxious over it. Yeah. Right. It's good. Okay. So uh, we're powerless over the wind. We're powerless over the day of death. We are powerless over the discharge from war. Yeah. No brainer, right? Like war starts, you're mm. deployed, you're a soldier, you're not coming home. Mm. You, you go to the first sergeant and you're like, oh, you know, this is much more stressful occupation than I thought. Yeah. It's, I can't get any rest at night, you know? <laughs> it's just, I can't rest. Uh, Mm-hmm, yeah. I can't rest, and, you know, they're shooting artillery at us at night and miss my family a lot, more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I think I'll go home. Yeah. No, you're not going home. 
right? This is a no-brainer, universal no-brainer across cultures. Um, you're not getting out. Foolish. You're powerless over the discharge of war. Mm. And that leads into the fourth one. Um, that's one that no one, no one would argue with. This is the one that maybe perhaps people fight against, mm. that the wicked, uh, they're powerless to deliver themselves. The wicked are powerless to deliver themselves. Um, every person who is not a believer, though, believes that they will. Right. They believe that, they're, that they will stand before God in their own... Um, well, they won't say they want to use the word wickedness. That's how the Bible would describe it. But they believe that they'll stand before God justified in their actions. Mm. And God will say, okay, that's fine. Um, there's a great human illustration of this that fits in perfectly, I think, with contextually the first layer of the king's court and uh, the, the realm of government. I couldn't help but think about. And that's Solomon's brother Absalom, mm. who made a coup against his against David, against their father, mm-hmm. tried to overthrow his father's government with the help of um, is it Ahithophel? Ahithophel. Mm-hmm. Ahithophel even plays into some of this too. Yeah. Um, as far as being a human illustration, he um, first off we should know they are living in wickedness. They're working against God. Right. right. God has made a promise to David, a covenant promise. Absalom and Ahithophel are working directly against God, so they have taken an evil cause. Solomon warned against that. Mm-hmm. They've taken up an <clears throat> evil cause against their king, and uh, they're in their wickedness. Think it looks like they have succeeded. The coup, the coup will they'll win. They'll take the kingdom from David, and David even has to leave. And God, through a series of his providential workings, who's the other wise man? It's Ahithophel's guidance versus um, the other wise man. Uh, God made Absalom not listen to Ahithophel, thus laying the trap to where Absalom would be defeated and die. And when Ahithophel... Hushai. 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 Ahithophel realizes what's happened, Mm -hmm. and he goes out, he goes home, and he actually kills himself. Mm -hmm. But Absalom goes out to war... Why would you go to war against David? Do you ever think about this? <laughs> what kind of a moron do you have to be? Yeah, I, he thought that he had the numbers, I guess. Uh, okay, I'd want about a million, a million people or more. <laughs> I mean, it's just craziness. And Absalom, of course, he he uh, he dies. Mm-hmm. He dies in his own wickedness. So the wickedness of Absalom did not deliver him out of the hand of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the picture that you get. But the same thing that's true of him is true of every person that's ever has ever lived. Right. Your wickedness will not deliver you from the king, the the great king. Yeah. Um, no matter what you think. There's coming a day before well, everyone will stand before God and um your wickedness won't deliver you on that day. That's that's the idea. Mm. So elaborated on that in the sermon. Right. So people can go listen if they would like to know more. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Accept your limitations. Yeah. Two limits you have to accept. Wise person accepts the limitation. They can't know the future, and they're not actually powerful and in control over even the present. Um, if you can relinquish that, trust God, um, your life will be a lot happier. Yeah. 
And that's that's really the conclusion is that we're limited, but God isn't. Right. Yeah. God, God is not limited by um, time. Right. The future is His. He mm-hmm. has He has ordained everything that will ever happen. Yeah. Um, he controls the wind. He is the one who's determined the day of our death. He's the one that has determined times of war. Um, and he's the one that has provided a way for wicked people to be saved. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're coming into the, uh, it's Christmas. It's mm. coming up. Uh, this coming Sunday is Christmas. And that should be a big reminder to you of your limitations. Mm-hmm. You are limited in this capacity that you were not, you're unable to reconcile yourself with God. You are not good enough for yeah. God. Mm-hmm. That's going to crush a lot of people that are told they're, you know, good enough. You're mm-hmm. good enough, and you need to believe in yourself. Well, Christmas is a major repudiation of that. Right. If you were good enough, then God would not need to send Jesus Christ to be born of a virgin. The incarnation, God becoming a man, says you're limited in your sin. And God overcomes that limitation. That's the beauty. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Right. God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves in mm-hmm. sending a, His Son, His only Son, whom He loves, living a perfect life, um, being born. And just think about that from the time of His birth all the way to adulthood, living perfectly. We've never done it for a single day. He did it every day of His life, every second of His life, loving God and His neighbor perfectly, keeping all of the law. And we haven't, and he did that for us. He lived for us, but also he dies for us, uh, bearing our sin in himself. He didn't die for his own sin. He had none. He died for our sins. And and that's how our limitation is overcome, because he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So in his death, burial, and resurrection, God gives to us, he overcomes that limitation, and then he gives to us something that we could never get for ourselves, perfect righteousness. Righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees, which Jesus says you must have. Um, and it's this is the gift. Um, Christmas reminds us of these this limitation that we have. So accept it. Accept that limitation and receive from God his gift of overcoming your limitation. Yeah. And that's the opposite of what most people think about with Christmas, especially in America. It's you know, Santa Claus is coming. If you've been bad, you're going to get, you know, coal in your stocking. If you're good, you'll get gifts. Right. Right. But that's the opposite of the gospel. <laughs> right. the, the gospel is not, it's not to be a good person and God will give you good things. Mm-hmm. It's God's come to give good things for people who deserve coal, coal in their stocking. Right. Right. Yeah. Everything, everyone deserved coal and God gave us the best present mm-hmm. uh, freely. So it's it's good news. It's great news. It is. Yeah. The the real gospel is great news for people who will understand and accept their limitations. Right. So yeah. All right. Well, this is the last podcast of the year, Jay. Yeah. Last one of the year. So um, have a merry Christmas, and uh, we'll see you in uh, in twenty twenty three. Deo Valente, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, hopefully this has been beneficial for you. Please make sure to like, subscribe, share. 
Um, and uh, as always, we hope that this helps you to become more and more conformed to Christ. So from, uh, from me and Jay, we, uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and we will see you next time.